Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Welcome back. I'm attorney Sean Bigley, and I'm here with my co-host, Lindy Kaiser, and we're talking this segment about military security clearances, or at least security clearances for folks who previously served in the military. And Lindy, what sense do you have as far as the percentage of government contractors and government employees who are prior military? Oh, we know on clearance jobs that it's about 70% of individuals on our site are prior military. And I think when you look across a cleared population, that seems to ring true because we see how veteran preference and hiring, just having had that security clearance, it means a big segment of our cleared population obtained at least their first security clearance through military service. I was going to say about the same, I don't obviously have the the stats on that that you do, but my general sense just from, you know, kind of anecdotal evidence is it's it's an overwhelming majority who are prior military. And I think you're right. There's a lot of overlap there in terms of not only hiring incentives, but also lifestyle. Somebody who's spent time in the military, I think is is perhaps naturally going to be drawn to, uh, you know, DOD contracting work, for example, or things like that, where they're used to that environment, they're used to the structure, they thrive off of that. This is a really salient topic. It, it, it seems to come up a lot, particularly, you know, in our practice, at least, one of the issues that comes up most frequently is SF-86s that somebody filled out, you know, many years ago, sometimes as much as 15 or 20 years prior and obviously much younger, coming out of high school in many cases, they're you know going through MEPS, the military entrance processing, or they're filling it out as part of ROTC. And somebody says to them, oh, don't put that down. The government doesn't care about your experimentation with marijuana. They're only asking if you were an addict or, oh boy, you know, if you list that, you're going to be screwed. They're never going to find out. So just, you know, leave it off. Those sorts of kind of, you know, bad advice situations. Um, But we also see a lot of cases where recruiters, actually military recruiters have completed SF-86s for candidates, oftentimes the candidate has no idea that this has been filled out and they're just presented a flurry of paperwork and said, here, sign here, sign here, sign here. They don't know what they're signing. And then this really comes back to haunt them because things aren't accurately or truthfully reported. And then they fill out another SF-86 later and the government goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Five years ago, you told us that you had never you know, had X issue and now you're telling us the opposite. Why did you lie? Is this something that you've seen come up as a as a question or or concern on clearance jobs? Oh yeah, <laughs> this is where I love the military. I love you. You're my favorite. But you've got to like admire the hustle of the military recruiters. Like SF eighty six, no problem. I've got that. I'll take care of that for you. And you look at the current recruiting numbers. I think they are motivated to get people in the door to the extent filling out a 136 page SF-86 could be a bit of a barrier to entry. I totally understand the motivation and honestly, the culture of service to say like, hey, I'll help you fill this out. But then not realizing, I mean, I just, I think this is why I love 
what I do at Clearance Jobs because I think it's so important to educate people about this system and educating people because I know I was that idiot who was working for the U.S. Army out of college and really just had no idea what a security clearance was. So you think even more so the 18-year-old who is going into a military recruiting station and for just wants to join the U.S. military. And yes, a secret security clearance is, is by and large an aspect of that and then just doesn't realize what they're filling out with the SF-86 or the importance of filling it out correctly. I think there's so much paperwork that gets slammed at you when you first join any job with the federal government. And that's where I think some people kind of, there's the two camps of it, right? Like how could you not know that you're filling out an SF-86 or how important it is or how could you, but I get it. Like it's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of things coming. You're just going to sign. So if a recruiter hands you, Hey, this is SF-86. I just, you know, we just, we just gave you the standard responses. It makes sense that you would do that. And, and a lot of that being, again, depending on the age of the person, the younger you are, generally the cleaner your SF-86 can be. There is, you don't have, you know, a ton of employment history to add, perhaps. You don't have a ton of things. Again, a secret clearance is generally a lot of automated checks. So that becomes the issue too, right? You're getting a secret clearance and some of those things aren't getting caught or flagged. And then down the road, it does get caught. And that's where I say honesty early is the best policy. I've had folks tell me before, hey, I just filled this out really quick. Then I did the research and realized I was not completely accurate. What should I do? My advice is to to correct it sooner rather than later, whether it's reaching out to your security officer, some point of contact with the military and creating a paper trail around that that shows like, hey, I sent an email that said, hey, I realized this wasn't listed or included in my SF-86. I want to correct the record. And I think that can that paper trail can help you down the road if you're having to go for a top secret clearance or something else and something didn't get added or included. Showing that you did try to document it after the fact is my general recommendation. Do you have the same? There's two different scenarios that we typically encounter here. One is the recruiter filled it out. The person had no idea what was in there. And basically what we wind up having to do is have the person make a detailed list, every single thing that's in the SF-86 that's inaccurate. And we use that to make a showing that, you know, this person clearly didn't fill this out because had they done so, they would have, you know, gotten their own correct address, for example, or their own, you know, mother's maiden name correct. I mean, like there's often just really clear evidence that the person didn't fill the form out because there are things that they wouldn't have had a reason to falsify. That's one scenario that we see. And and if that's the case, we can sometimes make a very effective case out of that. The other case, though, is where, you know, the person was recommended or advised to lie and they were young and dumb and they did it. And then now 5, 10, 15 years later, they go, oh my God, what did I do? How do I fix this? And in that case, you know, you're right. I typically recommend that, you know, people get out ahead of it, correct the record as soon as they become aware. You know, there are some exceptions to that and we don't have time to get into all of those other than to say, you know, sometimes issues with UCMJ stuff, uh, particularly fraudulent enlistment charges, if somebody is still within their first term of enlistment. And so you have to be cautious and you should always talk to an attorney before you do anything. As far as folks who are you know, out of the military subsequently and are dealing with this as a contractor or as a federal civilian, yeah, you know, getting out ahead of it, correcting the record is usually a good look. And it sort of highlights your subsequent maturation and reflection and and all of the things that adjudicators want to see. But, you know, there's another side to military clearances as well that I don't think is as often talked about. It's actually getting a clearance in the military and is extraordinarily valuable for folks who get out. They still have a current clearance. The, The number of opportunities that it opens up in the contracting world 
and as a civilian employee are enormous. And when you couple that with veterans' preference and other hiring incentives, there can be tremendous value in you know, that service and that clearance just from a dollars and cents standpoint. And of course, that's not why most people do it. If you're looking for a career after getting out of the military and you're wondering about contracting or serving as a federal civilian employee and you still have a current clearance, I mean, I'm sure you would agree, Lindy, like that's, you know, money on the barrel head. It's a great way to combine your experience and the credentialing that you have through the military and a security clearance to get to work. And I think employers are really good about, you know, creating opportunities and kind of making a it a really easy onboard, onboarding process for veterans, too. I think there's a lot of aspects of helping with the military transition, which depending on how many years of service you have, I mean, there's a lot of real, you know, transition elements of things like you're trying to figure out in civilian employment. And I think they do a great job. So yeah, if you have a security clearance from the military, I think it's absolutely worth worth putting to use. And that's one of the things too, I actually didn't realize that every service member came out with a clearance. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I was just talking to somebody and they said, oh no, if you're in the military, you come out with, you're going to get a secret clearance. I thought it was still based very much on MOS. I don't know if you have any experience with that. I can tell you that any officer is going to require a minimum of a secret clearance. That's uh, you know, beyond dispute. Folks who are enlisted, it's not always they necessarily require a secret clearance. They have to go through sort of a certain baseline background check as part of enlistment. But the, and, and that would certainly include filling out the SF-86, but it doesn't necessarily follow that they're going to get a clearance just because they're enlisted. There's a lot of occupational specialties, uh, you know, culinary and, you know, obviously don't have any exposure to classified information. So it's not necessary, but any officer certainly would require a clearance. And that's the same for, you know, reserves, guard, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a lot of value there. And, and I would encourage folks who are looking around at career opportunities after getting out of the military to certainly think about government contracting and or federal civilian work. But, you know, in doing that, I will also add this. One of the things that we see with a fairly high degree of frequency is people who have no idea what's in their military records and are often very surprised at what winds up coming out <laughs> during a background investigation. So, if you've served in the military and you're looking at cleared career opportunities, I always recommend go and pull your military records before you do it. Just as basic due diligence, you want to know what's in there. Certainly, if you ever had any sort of NJP or UCMJ action or you know any sort of scenario where you were investigated by one of the criminal investigative divisions, even if it led to nothing, there are oftentimes records that are sort of floating out there in the ether that don't look great on paper. And so you want to be able to get out ahead of that and explain like, yeah, I understand it says that, you know, X, Y, Z happened, but in reality, it was this. And so you, you don't ever want to be in the situation of being, quote unquote, confronted by a background investigator saying, well, you know, we pulled your military records and we found this or that. It's always good to get out ahead of that. And so there's a very easy way you can do it. The National Personnel Records Center, which you can find online, they have a mechanism where you can just submit a written request, full copy of your military records. You can see everything that's in there. And then, you know, even if there's nothing derogatory, just you know, basic due diligence for consistency, making sure that, you know, there's nothing that is going to, you know, get flagged and, and and sort of come back to haunt you is, is helpful as well. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. Knowing what's in your records, whether you're leaving military service or federal employment is always just good, good due diligence on your way out the door. Yeah, absolutely. And, and civilian, federal civilian employees, same deal. 
National Personnel Records Center, if you've been uh, separated from your agency for, I think, more than 90 days, your records will be housed there and you can go online and find them. It, it doesn't cost you anything. Send off a records request. They'll send you your official personnel folder. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cleared Cast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.